She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Like you got a good overview of yeah, who we are and what we up. do. Yeah, yeah, caught up. Yeah, it's like previously on the Far Out podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Two idiots buy a caravan. But I have that with you a lot, where everything is going well. You went for a run, and then all of a sudden, I imagine that maybe you fell into a ditch, and and I'm not I'm not gonna know about it for hmm. hours. I wonder if mom can relate to that. <laughs> what do you think, mom? <laughs> Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just enough. Just enough to stay under the radar. Because <laughs> if they catch me, then maybe they'll take it away. <laughs> Who's yeah. they? Who the fuck is they? <laughs> well, hello, beautiful listener, and welcome to a brand new episode of Far Out Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm wearing my Guatemalan hat. I'm ready for this. Oh, yeah, he is. You bet your ass he is. <laughs> so what are we talking about this week, Julie Roxanne? Well, today we're talking about something that is very alive for us right now. We're talking about the upper limiting concept. It's a really interesting topic that I'm learning about right now and I'm really happy to be sharing. It's this thing that we do when life gets too good and we find ways to ruin it. And we're going to share an experience of how life's gotten a little too good for us (laughs) and how that's made us a little uncomfortable lately. (laughs) And how we're dealing with that and how we're trying to allow it to be good for us. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Oh my god, what was that? (laughs) I kind of like that, you should do that more often. Hi, good morning, good morning. Good morning. morning. (laughs) It's great to have you here. It's an exceptionally great morning for us. It's really an amazing, amazing morning and we can't wait to share why. And we hope it's an exceptionally good morning for you. Or good afternoon, maybe even a good evening. Yeah, Whatever it is. Just We thought that just in case you were new around here, we'd give you a little, like, who we are, what the hell is this? So, I'm Julie Roxanne. I'm Alistair. And uh, we're both travelers slash remote workers. I don't even know how to say what we are. I, I like to say we're semi-nomadic people. I prefer to days. say what we're doing than what we are. Okay. I think that's a better way to yeah, talk about right. it. Well... We are a couple. We're married. We actually just got married. We lived in a caravan for a year and a half in southwest France because I'm French. Hi, bonjour. And uh, and now we are living in Guatemala. Au revoir. Buenos dias. <laughs> pretty good. So now we're living in Guatemala. It's pretty fresh, pretty recent. Uh, we, we, yeah, we run we, a couple of remote businesses. Yeah. I'm a coach. We also lead retreats. Mm-hmm. And we have a podcast editing and producing business. Yeah. And we're doing all that uh, from a beautiful house in Guatemala on Lake Atitlan with a gorgeous view. Yeah. Two dogs and a cat. Which, like, if you didn't hear how amazing it sounds, we're going to go into more details about that. But <laughs> another thing that we do that I do is I lead Women's Circle and I uh, work with women. So yes. that's what I do as well. 
I think that's that's good. Like you got a good overview of yeah. who we that are. Gets you what caught we up. Do. Yeah, yeah, caught up. Yeah, it's like previously on the Far Out podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Two idiots buy a caravan <laughs> and live in it. <laughs> For way too long. <laughs> no, it was the perfect amount of time. We keep, yeah, we've been, we've been kind of chewing on that as we I, stare into a yeah. lake that's beautiful. There is something very symbolic because we're we're in this spacious house with high ceilings, yeah. and we have a porch with two work desks that we sit at all day. We just sit out there all day because there's nothing better to do here than just stare, like kind of like mouth wide open at the view, and the yeah. and the weather is perfect. Think of your perfect summer day. And then this one's better. Yeah. So it, it's it's crazy. It's, it's just like, like a little cool in the morning. Spring and summer day. It's you hot know if you're in the sun, but if you get in the shade, it's perfect. And then it's it's amazing. And we're staring at a massive lake. We're on the side of a volcano. There's earthquakes every week, which yeah. is a little still getting used to that. I'm from California, so I'm a little more used to it. I had you. my first earthquake a week ago and yeah. I was like, what is this? Did someone yeah. plug you in? You didn't a- even know what was happening. I thought I, I thought someone was running a really uh, heavy washing machine. Yeah, she's you like, know? what was that? I was like, Julie Roxanne, that was an earthquake. Do you know what you need to do when there's an earthquake? And you didn't. You didn't know. I guess you didn't have the drills in school and all no, that. No, no. I taught my little sister the other day because yeah. she was like, oh, wow, an earthquake. So yeah. I told her what to do on the on the phone. Yeah. yeah. So... Anyway, and what's symbolic about all this is that we're in this kind of really spacious house with high ceilings and we're looking at this massive lake that just kind of extends outward on and in the mornings there's there's like kind of clouds on the other bank so you can't even see the end. It you know? almost looks like the sea, you know, because you can't yeah, see the other side. Yeah, it does look side. like the sea yeah. sometimes and it's just so expansive and it's just... It's very symbolic of how we feel about our, about our lives right now. Oh, and it's man. funny coming from a caravan where, where everything was so, I like to call it, you call it a sweatshop sometimes. <laughs> I called it the incubator. That sounded way cooler. It sounds better. Yeah. It sounds like we're a startup. Sounds more hardcore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweatshop sounds like, eh. yeah. But anyway, it was like everything. And we were in the forest. So everything was like really in, in, like everything was close up. You couldn't see very far, especially yeah. if you're in the caravan. And yeah. even if you got out of it, you couldn't see very far. Uh, the the winter was definitely quite a bit colder than it's going to be here. So it's just like, I feel like we're in this stage right now. For sure. And it's just, it's it's kind of amazing. So It's actually linked to what we want to talk about today because we've, something interesting happened. So we've been in this house for a week and we arrived exactly a week ago. And uh, so that was last Friday. And just, it's been almost too good if i can if that's not really a good way to say it but we've we've experienced something that i'm learning right now in a mastermind group that i'm part of uh which is upper limiting and we'll go into that but i want to share about the experience that we had first and then i can maybe you know infuse the story with the concept because it was really interesting to see how much resistance we both had to letting it be amazing and insane. My my first thought was like, oh my God, in some way I've miscalculated and we cannot afford this. Yeah. That, and and it, <laughs> it was just like, no, this can't be okay. Like there's something that's going to go wrong, you know? Yeah. So just like imagine that you're arriving in this, this secluded part of the town and you just walk up in in almost what looks like the Garden of Eden, honestly. And then you you push a door and then you have a beautiful garden with flowers, 
an insane view of the lake. Yeah, I mean, imagine when you're walking up, it's like nicely cut grass with stone steps and green hedges. And you walk through one of them, and there's your chalet. That's what it's called. It's like bright red. There's a hammock on the porch, a desk and a chair just looking out at the view. And then a couple terraced green, kind of green uh, grassy terraces with all sorts of colorful flowers. And you're completely hedged in. So you like, you can't really see anything but the lake and the sky. And there's just all sorts of birds singing all sorts of melodies throughout the day. It's a nice warm breeze in the afternoon. It gets nice and cool in the evening. So much like a feeling of privacy and yet like feeling like we almost, the lake is here for us. In the mornings, the lake is really still and you have like a just a, a fisherman's boat that comes out, like a lone guy who's trying to catch a few fish for the for the market. And it's just... When we got here on, on last Friday, it was also, it was a pretty long day because we had given up our Airbnb in the morning. Then we took a boat to get here. And, uh, and so we didn't have a good chance of seeing the town. And as soon as we got here, because we're staying here for three months or more, and our landlady who usually lives next door was about to leave for three weeks in the U.S., We spent, I think, about three hours, like, going over all the things, all the, you know, you move in, basically, and you have to understand what, uh, how the house works and what the things are. So we spent, like, three hours trying to learn all these things, and it was like, I would watch the, the, the sun go down on the lake and I kept having the, like, so you said you had thoughts of like, we can't afford this. This is. Yeah. This is somehow I did the math wrong and, and it was going to turn out that this was wildly like inappropriate for where we're at. Or that, yeah. Like, which I knew, which was far from the truth. Yeah. Not and even close. And so my version of this was that we got, we got here and uh, there's two things. The first one was, oh my God. We took a tuk-tuk from the, the, the little harbor to the house and I saw, I saw no shops. There's nothing in this town. We're here for three months and we're stuck in a place that has nothing. Like no, it's there a wasteland. Was, it's a wasteland that we're not going to be able to find any food. It's going to be terrible. What did we do? You know, and keep in mind, this is all the while sitting on a terrace, listening to instructions on how to run a house. We have a house for the next three months after spending a year and a half, if not more, living either on people's lands or in their houses. Like we haven't had this much privacy since like maybe two years ago where mm -hmm. we were living in Sri Lanka in a beach shack. Uh, so it was, it's almost like I didn't want to feel the goodness. And I was just focusing on the possibility that maybe this was you, going you, wrong. You were being ex extremely hypercritical. Yeah. My, mine was like more in the back of my mind. It wasn't yeah. something I was bringing up as much to you, but you were picking out all sorts of things that weren't going to work about this place. Although we've so since come to realize it's perfect for us in almost every way. But like you were looking at like our landlady lives next door and you're like, oh God, she's going to be so kind of invasive. Yeah, and, and I we're thought not going we to have the privacy have, we yeah, want. Yeah. And, in, and all these kind of like nitpicky, like you, you were finding ways this wasn't going to work. Yeah, I think I think uh, now might be a, a, just a good time to explain what the concept, uh, what the upper limiting concept is. So it's this guy called Gay Hendricks who coined the term, I don't know in what decade that was. And uh, he wrote a book called The Big, the Big Leap on it, which I'm currently reading. And it is blowing my mind. If you want to be blown away, just read this book. Your life will change. Highly recommend. And basically... Picked a good name. 
Yeah, yeah, right. The concept is, I think the story goes that he was having one of these amazing days where everything just goes really well. His daughter was, I think, a teenager and she was, she, she had just gone away on a, on a summer camp or something and she was ecstatic about it. He was feeling really good, really in love with his wife. His work was going great. And he was like sitting at a cafe or something. And he had a moment where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a thought popped up that probably his daughter was having a terrible time at summer camp, that maybe she didn't have any friends and she was going to, you know, she was actually just in tears somewhere and no one was taking care of her. And so he called the the, the camp and he said, like, I just want to check in that she's OK. And uh, and they were like, yeah, yeah, she's fine. She's actually super happy. She has a bunch of friends. But don't worry, you're not the only parent who's called us today to check on their kid. He was like, why would I do that? Everything's going well. And why would I do that? And so that's how he came up with this idea, this concept that basically we're all born into a a life setting and we all have by age three or so, we have this thermostat that is created. And this thermostat is how much joy, trust, happiness, love, money, all these things, how much you're allowed to feel. So it's like you have this baseline of how good you can feel. And then you can never go really above that. And whenever you do go above it, you find a way, conscious or unconscious, to cap your experience to go back down to that baseline. Uh, You're anchored. Yeah, exactly. So his whole concept, his whole life work is around that. And it's very powerful. He's changed the lives of a lot of people. And basically, there's many ways you can cap your experience. You can have a worry thought. You can uh, like have a perfectionist thought, like this is not exactly how it should be. You focus on what's not going perfectly instead of what's going perfectly. You can go get drunk on the weekends after a great week. Yes. A great way to cap your experience is, and and, uh, my coach, actually my my teacher on this makes a great point that uh, it's interesting that alcohol and sugar are usually involved in a lot of celebratory experiences because it's a great way to ensure that you're not going to feel good either that night or the next day because no one ever feels good drinking alcohol or eating sugar like that's just that's not something that makes you feel good well not for very long yeah yeah exactly so um so there's a lot of ways we can cap our experiences in the book actually gay hendrix makes the point that physical pain in what is one of them uh or like any unconscious thought that can pop up you know it's like this parent example where everything's going well and all of a sudden you think oh maybe my kid went into a car accident or i don't and and i have i I've had that a lot. I don't think I have that as much also because we don't spend that much time apart. But I have that with you a lot where everything is going well. You went for a run and then all of a sudden I imagine that maybe you fell into a ditch and and I'm not I'm not going to know about it for hmm. hours. I wonder if mom can relate to that. <laughs> what do you think, mom? <laughs> yes, I think any, I think that's that comes with the territory of being a parent. I think that's just we don't know. But I'm yeah. sure that's the truth. And and that is just a great way to cap your experience. It's like you're having this great time. And it's interesting to notice how these things usually come when you're, you know, it's like imagine a, a graph and like the line is going up, going up. You're experiencing more and more pleasure or you're, you know, you're better and better at work and you're getting a raise and making money. And then all of a sudden the next day you get uh, really, really sick 
or the next day you 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 know you break your leg or something like that that's kind of the i'm not saying this is true i'm just exp- telling what the concept of gay hendrix is and it's been interesting to notice that we've been wanting i personally I've been thinking about moving out of the caravan for a while now. I wanted to find a way to move out last Christmas. So it's been a while. We're in November right now. So it's almost a year. Then we got married. And around that time, I was like, we definitely need to move out. This is getting too small for me. Then we went to the US. And during that time, I was like, dude, we need to move out. It's just, it's getting too small. Then you kind of came to my conclusion as well. And uh, and we decided to sell, and then we decided to move somewhere else, which ended up being Guatemala. So for me, it's a process that has been almost a year in the making of finding a way to live this life where we were, you know, the caravan served us in a lot of ways. We didn't have to make a lot of money to live in the caravan, and, and it allowed us to be very focused and to create the businesses that we have now running and making money for not, us. Not to mention, you know, the wedding and, and, and what it did for our relationship. Yeah. Exactly. There was a lot of beautiful things. So I'm really happy it went on for that long. But it's been a year for me of trying to get out of there. And here we are arriving in Guatemala. And on the flight to Guatemala, I got sick. So I haven't been sick in a long time. I'd say over a year, I haven't been sick. And I got sick, like my throat's starting to hurt. And then I was sick the first day we were here. Really, really jet lag as well. That's, you know, that's also part of the deal. And and then we got to this beautiful place where we're now living. And I know we're going to be living for three months. And my first thought, like I started feeling uneasy as soon as we got there. And I was like, okay, the landlady is going to be all up in our business. We're not going to have the privacy I've been yearning for for the last year. Oh my God, what did we do? And the second one was, there's nothing around. We're in the wasteland. We're going to be crazy. It's going to be impossible to have a decent life here. And then you were over in your corner saying it's too expensive for us. Yeah, so which is like, a completely irrational thought. And it was involuntary. Yeah. And, and I think we all have a different, probably, nature with the with the way we upper limit. For sure. Uh, it, it probably has a lot to do with our particular personalities. And I think that really plays out if you start, for me, like if I start relating this to the MBTI and uh, psychological type, you know, I, I think it has uh, has some sort of connection to the inferior function, uh, if you're familiar with that, with that system. I wonder what you think about um, Brene Brown's idea of foreboding joy, because Brene Brown has a, what seems to me like a similar concept to this upper limiting. And... Uh, Brene Brown's a pretty uh, impressive research scientist. She's a social, uh, what would you say? She's a social researcher. Yeah, I think that's what she's. A social scientist. Um, She's also a speaker now and and a million other things. She's she's an impressive woman. Uh, and, And she has a lot of great books, and I don't know which one it's in, but she talks about foreboding joy. This is the feeling you get, which sounds very similar to the way you're describing about describing it, where it's like you have a moment of just, Really great joy. Maybe maybe you're like standing over your baby's crib, mm-hmm. and, you know, and you're just like you relax, you let it like like it just you have this moment of joy, and as soon as it starts to open up, it you get terrified mm-hmm. and you close it down, and maybe it comes in the form of like, oh my god, tomorrow my baby's gonna get sick, or like, oh, what if I forget to do something and she suffocates, or whatever it is. Yeah, you probably yeah. know what this, and it's not voluntary, right? Like where they they just come up, and so she has this this concept basically that. We have to watch out for when when we're foreboding joy, when we're not allowing joy to be there because 
joy is a vulnerable emotion. It's a beautiful emotion and all of us want more joy in our lives, but it comes, there is a vulnerability to that, that, that I think we all struggle with as well. So I don't know if it's exactly, like I, I can see how it relates. I totally agree that it's similar, it's similar waters, but I think the work of of the upper limiting the upper limiting concept goes even further than just joy it goes to like it, it it forces you to examine your beliefs around success money relationships trust love any positive things that you could attract in your life by just letting it be and letting the positive flow in because the way i think it's different is that gay hendrix actually proposes a way to raise our thermostat because that is kind of the goal, right? It's like if you stay in your thermostat, life can get really dull and you also don't know why you can never, you know, have anything beyond, you know, like a, a psychologist and this field these days right now, we start to see that uh, I think there's this belief in the field that by age three, our worldview is done. Like, we we see the world how we saw it before age three and sounds a bit grim yeah well it's just there's conscious ways to to change it but a lot of our neuro connections are made then and so if you've had like a traumatic event or if you're raised in a particular way which i personally think that the way we raise babies these days is heavily traumatic because we're not respecting the the way that our primal instincts work that's another topic for another day, but that's what I believe. And I think we all carry a lot and we all actually probably integrate really early on that we shouldn't ask for too much and that, you know, the thermostat is fairly low. Well, I was just talking to my dad about this. My dad was talking about how that is a belief. We were kind of reflecting on that in the U.S. Well, we were talking in a work sense because I was talking about some of the success we've had recently. And I was actually talking about this exact experience that we're talking about. Um, because it's really strange. It's like, why? Why am I scared to have this? Or like, what is li- there is? It's it became really clear on this particular one, perhaps because it's so drastic and so different, and so much what we wanted in a lot of ways. Yeah. Where it was just like, whoa, there is some resistance to this. Like, mm-hmm. I am not completely embracing this. I'm struggling with this, and I'm feeling uncomfortable and. And there's parts of me that are like working against me here. And it was just like kind of like an oh shit moment where it's like, holy shit, that means I'm probably doing this all the time. Like I am limiting myself in what I can experience or what I'm willing to experience. I'm less comfortable with success or at least defined in my terms. Mm -hmm. I'm less comfortable with these, with the good than I thought. And I think part of me wants to be a martyr. Part of me wants to kind of, you know, it's easy if you suffer. I mean, at least like, there's some like perks to that, right? Yeah. Like you can kind of be righteous and all these things. I don't know, but it was, it became very clear that like it was challenging for me to be in a place that was so good mm-hmm. for us in some ways or so nice or so much what we wanted. And so I was talking to my dad about that and he was reflect, we were reflecting on the fact that there is this underlying kind of belief that is really pumped into us and and who knows why but there's a lot of good reasons you you can think of why to explain why mm-hmm. why you might want humans to have this kind of belief and i'm suspect it also goes for us back to puritan uh, puritan origins or just religion in general mm-hmm. seems to usually be a, a, a at least a piece of this but it's just this idea that 
uh, around work, like if you do something you enjoy or if you're helping people, you can't be rewarded for that. Like you can't profit from that. Mm -hmm. And I was laughing because I was like, wow, if we have it in America, just it's so, I mean, I think I've been a little, like, I know it's there underneath, but I've learned some defense strategies because I've been in business my whole life. And so us business types figure out logical ways to get around this and how, you know, oh, well, self-care and, you know, like, oh, yeah, take care of yourself. Like, there's all sorts of like, you know, but I still think underneath it, we're doing all this because we have those beliefs. But then you go to France and I'm blown away by like France takes this belief to a whole nother level. And if mm-hmm. you think it's bad in the U.S., I think it's way worse in France. You guys do it to to a alarming degree. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I think I think this is such an interesting topic. I can't say why. Like, I don't necessarily want to go into the the discussion of why like personally i think this is a good it's thing there. To, it's, it's, it's there. good to talk mm. about it i just i think what struck me the most in the last few weeks is while reading this book uh the big leap he he proposes a way to integrate our experience as like okay we're upper limiting how do we raise our thermostat because ultimately this is what we want to do and it's possible to do that consciously I also think that people who do that tend to raise kids in a different paradigm. And then, you know, then those kids by age age three have maybe a different worldview. That's another topic as well. But just this is something that I think we can all uh, be conscious about. And he asks the question, and that's how he starts off his book, which is really thought provoking and also kind of disturbing is he starts his book by asking those questions. And I invite you, the listener, and us as we ask those questions to really think about our answers to those. It's like, how much love, abundance, trust, joy are you willing to receive in your life? How much money are you willing to have? I don't know about you, but whenever I ask myself these questions, there's like the rational part of me that's up in my head that's like, oh, I want millions. I can totally like I'm totally that person who can say, yeah, sure, I want millions. And then actually I kind of tap into my heart and there's a voice that says, I just want enough. Just a little bit. (laughs) Just enough. Just enough to stay under the radar. (laughs) Because if they catch me, then maybe they'll take it away. (laughs) Who's they? Who the fuck is they? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe this explains why most people who win the lottery just get wrecked. That is exactly what he talks about in the book. He actually makes this very argument about how in the first year most people have spent all of their lottery winning some of them actually are more indebted at the end of the year than they were before they won the lottery you know like this this question makes me think of it makes me think of a seth godin book Mm. uh called the icarus deception Mm -hmm. and he talks about icarus the myth of icarus which is like icarus gets too big for his bridges at least this is what this is the the myth we probably recall when we think about it which is that Icarus gets too kind of bold. He makes his wings of wax. He goes out, he flies out of the tower and he flies too close to the sun. And he's given the advice before he goes, like, don't fly too high, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he, he flies uh, too close to the sun and then he his wings melt and he falls to his death into the ocean. Some version of this. Yeah. And Seth points out, the whole book is about this idea that you, we've got a distorted version of that myth because... Icarus was also told not to fly too low. And all we remember is the don't fly too high part. Mm. And he says most of us 
are way more at risk for flying too low than too high. And uh, so this whole book is kind of about challenging you to fly higher and like going low, which is kind of the default in our society, doing the least or, or whatever, hiding in some ways. That's the bigger risk. And that's the one where more of us, that's the way more of us are falling into the ocean. And uh, I, I see some connection here with, with what you're saying. Yeah, I think what's really provoking me to think hard on on this concept is that I feel like what you're saying might be more like if you think about the myth from the don't fly too low, don't fly too high, it's just like hit that sweet middle spot, right? And the big leap is actually, no, 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 no. You can pretend to like levels of joy, wealth and happiness that you don't even think are possible or achievable or that you deserve them, you know? And I, I think if I were to fit it into the myth again, I'd say that we just don't know what too high is. Like That's, we think too high is much lower. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah and that probably. We're living in a paradigm where like it's all, it's like very low and low, yeah. you know? <laughs> and like yeah. too high, there's probably a too high. I think there's too high. We see that with Rockstar, or, you know, like there's different ways you can get too high. One of them is you can just really get too high. <laughs> okay. I think we all, <laughs> at least yeah. I know how that's been. It's, there, there's a too high. Yeah, okay. <laughs> got it, got it. <laughs> but so, so I think there is, there is a, up there a bit, but maybe we're all thinking, like maybe we're all in a too low kind of world and, and, and what we think is high is not really that high. Maybe, it, maybe it's medium low. Yeah, my, my, my teacher was actually giving this example of a woman she's coaching who, and it's like, oh, actually, that's a good place to say this. So there's a group, the, the conscious leadership group. I think they're, that's their website, consciousleadership.ca or CS, something like that. They have been working with this concept for a while and they actually work with an entire concept with a line and you're either above or below the line. This is what I'm learning right now. It's really interesting. Uh, and they basically above the line is that place where you're in a curious, expensive, open state. Most of us never spend very long there. And that's normal. That's kind of our brain is usually per, like made to be below the line, want to be right, want to be, you know, constrictive, argumentative and all these that's things. That's weird. I'm above the line all the time. All the time, right? Like, yeah, yeah you're, you're probably... I can't, I don't, I can't really even imagine being below it. <laughs> What's that look like? I guess you can. Thank you, Al. That was great. Oh my God. Uh, but... I was just below the line right there. <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're, we are. But they were making this thing when uh, the, my teacher was saying that when she started working with this concept, they asked the question, how long do you think you can be above the line? For how long can you be above the line? And she was like, two weeks, easy, you know, like that's easy. And as soon as you start working with this concept, actually, you realize how that is not true, how you're most of the time below the line. And this group after 20 years of working with this concept, which is influenced heavily by uh, the upper limiting concept, they said that basically you find a way to go back below the line within two minutes of being above the line. So it's wow. like you feel expensive, you feel good, and then in two minutes, you find a way to cap that experience. I, can I share one personal experience yeah. that I kind of alluded to earlier? Is I, I When I used to be a, a general manager, And I'd have these really hellish weeks, like just really tough weeks where you're just not sure on Monday or Tuesday how you're going to get to Friday and like survive as a business or whatever. There's some big things going on. And 
And I'd get to Friday, like, you know, maybe six o'clock, 6.30 on Friday, and I'd lock up the office for the weekend, feeling like a god, you know, like getting into the car mm. and just like, just volts of energy running through me. I'd be like singing like a madman in the in the car and stuff, just because it's like, fuck, I made it. Yeah. And, and not only did I usually make it, but we like ended up doing well. Yeah. And, and so I have all this energy running through me, like way more than I could handle. And most times, and I, I was kind of aware, I was aware of this, but I just really didn't have a lot of control of it. Most times, my way to deal with this was to get rip-roaring drunk that night with my friends. Mm-hmm. And and then that just cuts it down, right? I and mean, it's like derailing the train, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, and then the next day you feel like shit and you have to start all over again. By next Friday, I'd be at that place again, maybe. And, uh, but I, I never... I rarely handled it well. I rare like it was just so much energy and like good feeling. I didn't know what to do with it, and I felt like I had to go out and drink or yeah, or just like get loaded in some way. That is such a great way to cap your experience, you know. Like yeah. you and and I think all of us could find examples of that if we paid attention. So one of the clients of my teacher was telling her on a coaching session. She was like, "I want to write a book." Like. What a powerful, expensive thing to say, right? Like, how open do you have to be to say, and vulnerable to say, wow, I'm going to do this massive thing that is, and I, I admit that I want to do it, that I want to write a book. And so my my teacher said nothing, just like held space for her saying that. And she said, literally three seconds later, she was like, but who, who the fuck's going to read it? No one's going to want to read it. And it's like, how amazing a way to cap that feeling. It's like, you're like <gasps> taking a big breath. And then it's like, you're punching yourself in the stomach when you're full of air, you know? And and we do that all the time. And if you want to see see yourself do that, just pay attention. Tell, like, just think about a topic like relationships, love, trust, money. Money is a great one because usually we all have very hard beliefs on money. Money is my weak spot. It's it's a it's a difficult one. It's really difficult to admit that like we to just say, hey, maybe I can change my money story. Maybe I'm actually deserving of feeling financial abundance and freedom. Just saying that, there's a part of me that's like, man, don't say that on the podcast. You're going to sound stupid. People are going to be <laughs> judging you like, oh, white privilege. You know, I have all these things going on in my head right now because I said this. It's just interesting to bring awareness to it. And I think I just want to kind of go back to that story of us arriving here yeah. because this was such a good example of upper limiting at its core because it's also a game of whack-a-mole. Because <laughs> I arrived, I found those two ideas why things are not going to go the way I want them. Huh? So like the landlady is going to be up in our business and the, the place is a desert. And by the way, there was very little evidence for either of them. Like from my point of view, it, it, it was like, what the it's hell so are you funny, talking about? It's so funny because for me, it's like that was the most obvious thing. Like I Actually, I was seeing plenty of evidence for, for the for the opposite view. So it was it was kind of strange. Yeah. And I, when when I told you about it that night, I was very clear to say, I think I'm trying to find a way to ruin the experience for myself. I didn't necessarily think upper limiting because I hadn't really linked it, but I was realizing that probably a part of me was too afraid to connect to how good it was feeling to be here. I think that's a good way of saying it because I, I can relate to that too. I think part of me was too afraid to connect to to being here as well. Because I always feel like there, when I think like that, my, my story or my uh, kind of shadow thing is that there's, there's this bigger person that's usually more of an authority figure that's going to come and tell me 
You thought you could have all that, Psh, bitch, and then take it away from me and slap me in the face and go. That's kind of the that's kind of the image that like comes up for me. Once again, <laughs> it must be so terrible to be in your head. <laughs> I'm just very aware. I think a lot of people have this. I just don't think people would be as graphic as me in explaining it. I've I'm very aware of this. But so We slept that evening and then the next day, so the Saturday, I went to the market. Wow, what a vibrant place. So much going on. If you don't follow us on Instagram, you should because we have, I'm documenting everything because it's amazing. We're at the Far Out Couple on Instagram. It's the market. I, I took a few pictures and videos. It's just like pff, colors everywhere. Amazing. Oh, and uh, I mean, massive pineapples the size of your head, avocados the size of baseballs or even bigger. And you and come out, you have a feast, and you've spent $25. $25, yeah, for, for nothing. It's for, like, yeah. go fuck yourself, Whole Foods. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That, well, yeah, definitely go, go fuck yourself, Whole Foods. <laughs> So, Maybe they'll sponsor us. We should we, we should reach out to them. <laughs> oh wow! How much laughter am I willing to have? <laughs> and, uh, and now so, I think Whole Foods is going to come in and shut us down. Now you know they're going to yeah, sue probably, us. Yeah, probably. Yeah, exactly. Upper they limiting. They Boom. <laughs> So I went out to the market the next day, realized that my first concern about the place being a desert and a wasteland wasn't right. So, okay, put that aside. Felt really good to like confirm with myself that we made a good choice. Then turns out our landlady is really respectful of our privacy. And not only that, but on top of it, she gives wonderful heart-opening, body-melting $25 massages. Yeah, she hour has long. 16 years of experience, and she's a goddess. She's a pro, and she's she's really good at what she does. I got one too, and she really worked away a lot of uh, upper back pain and shoulder pain. I had. I it's I've, amazing. I've been suffering like a crazy person through every one of my period for the last few months. She worked on my hips and lower back for an hour. I had the most enjoyable period the day after. Like wonderful I, it, it's blowing my mind that this is even possible so here I was on Saturday after like definitely trying to you know ruin my experience on Friday evening by coming up with all these things Saturday evening wonderful the market's so full it's so vibrant so colorful and we haven't even mentioned the two glorious dogs oh, and, and and the cat and that comes cat, out for pets like, every morning when uh, during sunrise i we i give her some pets i'm such an animal person it so soothes my soul i do have to say that it's becoming a problem because about an hour of my day is spent petting <laughs> animals like they're very <laughs> insistent that they get their pets they're every very day needy, yes and yes. i'm not good at saying no it's really hard he's <laughs> really cute it's really cute to see him Um, but so yeah, here I was Saturday evening. It was like life was telling me, no, 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 you cannot ruin this. Here you're having this wonderful massage for nothing in your living room. Yeah, on, in your living room. You know, like with a view of the lake. And then I just had to just go lie down in the bed and then rest for the rest of the night. And so, okay, I had melted away all of my worry thoughts that I made up for upper limiting myself. And then the next day, 
we got into probably the biggest argument that we we went into since we've met, I would say. like Perhaps. We're definitely a very big one. And yeah. a, a lot of resistance. That's more what I say. We don't yell. We don't like fight out loud. That's not our style. I actually would say we very rarely have arguments. I feel like we have conversations. That are this hard. one, yeah, yeah, that are hard. But this one was feeling more like an argument where you were thinking things and I was thinking things. Uh, I could feel that we both had resistance and we both wanted to be right. And I was saying things. Below just, the line. Yeah, I was just saying things to to be right. And I was hearing you do it too. Yeah, and, and it was terrible because a part of me was aware of it and yet I couldn't stop yeah, doing it. Yeah, I had that too. It was very frustrating and isn't that interesting that you know like it just you think you've killed it on one side and then the the thing pops up on another front you know and until you become aware of it and until you allow yourself and that's what I've been doing for the last few days I've been really trying to allow myself to sit into the melting of maybe it's okay Maybe I can be this happy. Maybe I can have this much joy. Maybe me having this much joy and feeling like I have this much success in so many areas of my life does not take away from any, everyone else's experience, but it actually can inspire instead. Because I feel like there's this story we tell ourselves, especially with that the it's money. A zero-sum game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's so not, but it is so hard to remember that. Oh, I just think of like that old saying, you know, that uh, someone's parents said to to their children, you know, like, oh, there's kids in Africa or whatever. If you don't eat this, it's like if I don't eat this here, like there's kids in Africa starving. How are those related? I've had my dad told me this one Christmas and usually he wasn't it wasn't something we we were told in our household. But he told me this one Christmas after I had made a beautiful like like um, dessert for Christmas. I made it myself. It was pear dipped in hot chocolate. Like, you know, and my dad told me this because I didn't finish my plate. And I remember being so taken aback and upset that I told him like, well, why don't you package it and send it to them then? Like, why don't you take my leftovers and send it to the, like through the post office? What does that even mean? Yeah. And I think, I think maybe that's one of the things is, 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 it's not useful to feel that guilt. I, I mean, at least I, I don't think it's particularly useful. I think it's pretty damaging. And I think, okay, yeah, let's recognize that we have privilege. And then what are you going to do with that privilege? Yeah. I think that's probably a better a better question or, you know, than like, well, why do you think you deserve that? Or, you know, it's like, well, whether I deserve it or not, you know, it's here. I think I deserve to enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. And And maybe I can do something with this that is constructive. And I think that is easier said than done, but it, I feel it a lot, that guilt, that, yeah. that, that kind of, and you hear it all the time on social media. I feel like, oh, yeah. you know, everyone's a little scared to own own the good things sometimes mm-hmm. because they, they feel like someone's going to come out and mm-hmm. just tell them why they, they can't have it or why, you know, they're, they're terrible for, for having it or, or how that particular thing is ruining the world. Uh, it, it's 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 tough. It does seem to relate back to that feeling that there's like an, that we're all sinners, you know, and that we should all like you know like uh, <laughs> do, do whip our ourselves. And, yeah, exactly. That's kind of that's how it feels when I hear us talking right now. And I think I've been so I've been continuing to read the book, and I've also because the book does seem 
linked to the law of attraction, even though I don't know much about the law of attraction and I haven't read anything about it. I know the two main names for it, which is uh, Abraham and Esther Hicks. And I know that they have meditations on YouTube that are basically the same thing as what uh, Gay Hendricks in his book is saying, which is you need to reprogram your your brain in some way. And that goes through listening to affirmations that part of you are going to disagree with. Like he, one of the meditations that he recommend, he says to do this mantra where I think you just sit and like you, you say out loud or you say in your mind, um, I expand in love, success and abundance uh, as I inspire others to do the same. And he says that it's really important to say the mantra and then to take a couple of breaths, like long breath, and then say the mantra again, because it's in be- it's in those two following breaths that you're going to be able to witness how much resistance you have to actually believing that. And so I've been listening to, uh, you know, like morning meditations by uh, Esther Hicks, and I'm loving it. It's really good to have like a a voice reminding me that you know ultimately we are what we believe and if I want to choose to believe that you know it's good to deserve these things it's good to inspire other people to do the same it's good that I take responsibility for what I can have in my life and 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 that I don't put limitations on myself like because I think the point is me putting limitations on myself is not going to make someone else better. Yeah, you need you need to find whether it's this way or another way. You need to find some way to disconnect that that idea that it's a zero sum game and your success and someone else's failure. That's one way of looking at it, right? That or or their success and your failure are linked, right? Yeah. Like that. There's a more constructive way you can look at it where it's like, well, everyone if if they have success that can actually positively spill over and vice versa. And if, if they're not doing well, that can affect me. And I think that tends to be more accurate to uh, reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at communities, you know, like if you have a big crime problem, that's probably because some people in the community aren't doing very well. Yeah. And if you're going to ignore that, you got to find some way to sever that, that idea that it's a zero-sum game and the balances go up and down depending on who's who's going up and down. So... Got to figure a way out. Of there that. seems to be uh, in in these works that we're talking about. There seems to be an underlying belief around the material of life, which is that there is abundance for everyone. There is there is like like that that it is all energy and that it can all be tapped into and that we're all connected to the source of that energy. And I think that is very counter to a lot of our deeply held beliefs that like, as you said, it's a zero sum game. If I take someone else doesn't have, and I have this and I'm having a hard time even saying this out loud because there's a part of me that's like, you're a phony. You know so well that, you know, there's only one planet. We only have one pie. And if you take a bigger slice and someone else doesn't have it, it's like, I don't know if this is true. And I don't know if I, if it's serving me to believe it. I think in some ways it is true. Right. If you look at oil, for example, yeah. that's a zero sum game. So, so there are paradigms yes. where this is fairly true. And, and maybe, maybe it doesn't have to be real for every aspect of everything, but in this yeah. kind of higher sense, I don't know. It's getting a little meta to go there. So I don't know how much I, I'm well, I bring, it back, bring it back down. Uh. <laughs> maybe the real game 
is to find ways to get out of the zero-sum game mentality. Maybe the game is to find different games to play. Yeah, I think one thing I'm a deep believer in is that our experience in life is to, is dictated by what we believe. And I can change what I believe, or at least I can continue to adopt beliefs that are going to serve me more. And I don't really see a reason to keep beliefs that are, you know, putting my, me down and making me feel like shit when I could adopt beliefs that are valuable and useful for me and everyone around me. So I think that's kind of the thing that I'm getting at here uh, is we can choose what we believe for it to serve us. I think maybe a way to kind of wrap up this conversation is I'd like to invite you, listener, and continue to invite us, you and I, Alistair, to pay attention to where it is that we upper limit ourselves the most. What are our tools for capping our experience? Are we prone to injuries a lot? Do we get sick a lot? Are we, are we worrying? Are we perfectionists? That's like one of the best ways to, uh, to upper limit yourself because nothing's ever going to be perfect. So it's like the the best way to upper limit yourself is to be a perfectionist. So if you identify with that label, just that's interesting to know. And then with that self-awareness, maybe observing when, you know, feeling when our experience is getting better and better and having the presence of mind to relax and open up to the question of like, ooh, how much more of that am I willing to receive? Like, you know, if if you're experiencing levels of connection with a partner that are really, really good, maybe you have a tendency to pick a fight in those moments of the connection is really, like, and, and maybe, present. And maybe you can't avoid that. I think it's still extremely valuable if you can just notice that you're doing sure. it, right? Like, yeah. may, don't even have to change behavior immediately. I think if you, if you can start paying attention to how you're doing that, that's a, already a big step up it's a conscious exercise of raising the thermostat and it doesn't have to happen overnight like and like we have the time to do that i think just being aware and continuing to ask ourselves how much success how much love how much trust and how much connection are we willing to experience how much are you willing to let your dreams come true That was a doozy. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you, listener. Uh, it's been great to have you here. Yeah. And one of our dreams that uh, I'm willing to let happen is we'd like to have this podcast grow. We have uh, we have a lot of big ideas, big visions for where we want to take this. Mm-hmm. And so our ask to you, loyal listener, uh, who have made it all the way to this part of the show, is that just share it. If you found it valuable, share it with one person that, uh, that that you think would also appreciate it. And in case you share it on social media, on Instagram, we're on there, at the Far Out Couple. Just tag us. I'd love to see that and repost the story. Yeah, yeah. We're pretty... Well, Julie Roxanne's pretty active on there. No. <laughs> I go on once in a while. Alistair's... I, I always tell Alistair what's going on. So yeah. if he needs to be there, he's there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well... Toodles. We love you, Toodles! Toodles.